Thank you, Jeff. I'll give you a better introduction. <laughs> Unprofitable servant and chief of sinners. That's a good biblical description of me. Um, I'm just really delighted to be with you this morning. This is my second time being in this building this weekend. We had the C.S. Lewis Fellows meeting uh, yesterday, as they have been for 20 years. Uh, we are so grateful to you guys for being such wonderful hosts to have us here. And over a thousand people have gone through the Fellows Program, one year of, of um, in-depth discipling, including people um, from Cornerstone, even people that are here this morning in this room. I won't call any names, but uh, um, it's, it's just been a wonderful partnership, and we are grateful to you guys for helping us and providing a place for us to do uh, what we've been doing over these years. And not least, sharing Bill Kynes with us. Uh, he, he's one of the favorite uh, teachers in the program. And he's actually going to be coming back. We couldn't do without Bill. So he will be flying back up here uh, to teach some of the classes. Well, this morning, I would like to uh, speak on something that um, hopefully you'll find helpful. Sometimes we don't need so much to be taught as to be reminded. Augustine first uh, said that, at least as far as I'm aware. And it's really true, isn't it? Uh, we, I mean, you come Sunday by Sunday by Sunday, and eventually you, you begin to get the point, right? And uh, hearing the same thing over and over again, well, maybe just a reminder sometimes is... Uh, is, uh, is good. And so that's what I'd like to do this morning is to bring you a reminder and try to stay within the time here. Get my watch and watch that clock and see if I can pull this off. Okay. <clears throat> so I have to quote C.S. Lewis, right? The patron saint of our organization. And he said, everyone thinks Forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Isn't that true? So I'm speaking this morning not on our forgiveness that we receive through Jesus, but I'm speaking of the forgiveness that Jesus calls us to give to others. So as you sit here this morning, do you have someone you need to forgive? When I announced the topic, did someone's name come to your mind? Has someone offended or sinned against you either recently or in the past? I remember being at a um, conference in a church, a prayer conference where we were doing some teaching and praying with people large church over in Parkersburg, West Virginia. And at the end of uh, one of the sessions, we had time of prayer, 
a woman came up and I was available to pray. And she asked if I would pray for her to forgive her father. Her father had been dead for a while, which tells us something, doesn't it? That this whole issue of unforgiveness doesn't simply evaporate uh, when people die. Offenses of a relatively minor nature are usually not too difficult to forgive, but others aren't. Major offenses simply do not just disappear over time. They remain active and alive until we deal with them. So if you are among the happy people this morning who have no outstanding offenses today, you can breathe a kind of sigh of relief that you're not going to be nailed today. (laughs) Rejoice and be thankful. But know that sooner or later, somebody will offend or hurt you, perhaps very deeply. So this message actually has relevance to everybody, whether, whether there's something you need to deal with in forgiveness or not. You eventually will. So offenses simply can't be avoided in this fallen world, even among our brothers and sisters in the kingdom. And these texts that were read this morning Really, if you look at them carefully, they're talking about believers. The context of the Sermon on the Mount and those verses uh, in the Lord's Prayer. It's the believers. And in Matthew 18, that's a chapter that deals with this whole subject of being reconciled in the community of believers, amongst believers. So... That's the primary application of what Jesus was saying, but it's certainly not the entirety of it, as we'll see toward the end of, well, at the end of this this, um, message. So Jesus gives us guidance about how to deal with people who offend us. And the text has been read. I'll read one little portion to you here. In the Lord's Prayer, he says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And I'm reading from the ESV, by the way. Um, And I hope you can make the transition. It's not too terribly different from NIV. Now, by debts, um, uh, Jesus means sins, the moral debt we incur to God when we uh, violate his his word, uh, his will. Uh, So notice the request for our own forgiveness assumes that we have forgiven others. It assumes that we have forgiven those who have offended us. It's easy to glide over these words uh, and not really let them take hold in our minds and hearts. But it's not possible to glide over the addendum that immediately follows the Lord's Prayer. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but as soon as the Lord's Prayer ends, we read this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's something we need to 
sit with and ponder. Very serious words. Here Jesus is re-emphasizing that the forgiveness of our sins is conditional upon us forgiving others their sins against us. And he adds that refusing to do so has consequences. Serious consequences. This is an extremely important issue. I don't think we take it all that seriously. We think, okay, the big sins, like murder, adultery, etc. You know, these ones in capital letters. And so we have our, like the Catholic Church, we have our mortal sins and our venial sins. And um, unforgiveness comes somewhere down there, I think, for many of us in the category of venial sins, of, of minor infractions. Well, that doesn't seem to be what Jesus is saying here in this text. Some of the consequences of refusing to forgive of holding grudges. Well, one obvious thing is that it blocks our prayer life. Now, David had said this um, a thousand years before. He said in Psalm 66, verses 18 and 19, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. So our sins hinder prayer, hinder answers to prayer. If God stops listening to our prayers, our unforgiven sins will begin to pile up. Imagine just continuing to charge things on your credit card. Continuing to charge, charge, charge things on your credit card. That's what we're doing. We're running up, we're running up a, a long list of, uh, of charges, so to speak. Uh, but if we're out of communion with God, our prayers are not being answered. We will drift spiritually and become weaker and more vulnerable to other sins and to the schemes of the devil. And then we find a vicious spiral beginning to work in our lives where we, where we spiral farther and farther from God. And we can't really know where that will end. So it's a serious, it's a serious matter. But there are other consequences which we've heard already this morning in the parable of the unjust servant. And you know the story. The master wants to settle accounts. He discovers that one of his servants has been embezzling an enormous amount of money. And he says, well, we, what shall we do here? We'll sell the servant and his family and have done with the matter. But the servant 
is desperate and he falls on his knees and begs. And the master, now this is really very interesting. The master has mercy on him. If you look at the amount, the 10 talents in, in the uh, ESV, it's an astronomical sum of money. And yet, the master, <clears throat> who's God in the interpretation of the parable, forgives this incredible debt. Unthinkable. He forgives the servant. And then the servant goes out, and as we heard, he sees someone that, fellow servant, that he uh, had loaned money to. And it was really not a very large sum. It was a 200 denarii. denarii. It's about two-thirds of a year's salary for a laborer. A significant amount of money, but I mean, it's, it's not a fortune like uh, was forgiven here from the first servant. And so he grabs him by the throat and shakes him and screams at him and demands the repayment of the money. And the poor fellow uses the same words. Have patience with me. Have mercy on me and I will repay. And he wouldn't hear of it. He had him thrown into jail until he paid the full amount. And we read about jailers, torturers. In those days, torturers were common in Roman jails. And they were there, well, in this case, for example, to torture uh, the debtor in case he had money hidden somewhere that could be seized to repay uh, what he owed. It's a pretty gruesome situation. Um, well, what are, what are we to do with that? How, how do we make sense of all of this? Um, Jesus moves along here, and he says something that's really quite shocking. Really quite shocking. Um, he says that... God will do the same thing with us if we don't forgive our what? What was the word? If you don't forgive your what? Brother. Not your pagan neighbor next door. Your brother. If you don't forgive. So this is in the household of God. This is the church. This is the family. God will do the same thing. Now, it's not a case of God turning us over to physical torture. It's a, a bit different from that. We bring ourselves in a certain way into this kind of torture. And the torture... The torture is anger 
and bitterness that binds us and eats away at our soul. Unforgiveness becomes like an abscess, but it's an abscess in the soul. I'll give you an example. Um, my aunt, <coughs> one of my aunts, she really wanted the, um, the diamond uh, engagement ring of my grandmother. But my grandmother had instructed that it be given to my mother. My mother didn't particularly want it. I mean, it wasn't something that she had her heart set on, but she wanted to honor her mother's wishes. My aunt became furious about that. And she stopped speaking to my mother would not speak to her at all for the rest of her life. And she died a very bitter woman, alienated from her husband. Uh, she, she wrecked her own life by this unforgiveness, this grudge that she held on to for something so, pit, you know, I mean, the estate was divided fairly. I mean, she didn't, come out the short end of the stick. She just had one particular little part of it she wanted that she didn't get. Her life was destroyed and the lives of others around her were really damaged. Well, that's what can happen when we hold on to this sort of thing. Well, is there a way out? Is there an escape? Well, yes, Jesus said there is a way out if we forgive from the heart. Very important. Note that. From the heart. Not simply acquiescence or a superficial expression of forgiveness. Have you ever done that? Oh, I forgive you. It's okay. But not really. Like, yes, but no. <laughs> really, no. Well, it's easy to do. But what Jesus is calling for here is forgiveness from the heart. And in the Bible, I'm sure Bill has said it a number of times, the heart is not simply our emotions. The heart is you, the whole person, the whole inner self. That is the heart. So we're being called to make a wholehearted Forgiveness. This forgiveness is a decision, a choice, leading to an act of the will. Now, depending on the depth of the offense, it may need to be uh, reaffirmed repeatedly. I know a woman right now who is struggling, and the wife of an elder uh, in my church is a struggling with forgiveness. It shouldn't be, right? Christians, right? Elder's wife. Well, she's from the Congo. Both of them are from the Congo. And in the midst of terrible political repression, revolution, they fled. When she 
he went first and she came alone. She'd been raped a number of times and she was able to get to the border. They snatched the little six-month-old baby out of her arms and cut it in half with a machete. This is... This sort of stuff happens around the world. Maybe not here in Annandale very often, but this is reality, and this is what happened to her. And she was a Christian. She's struggling. She forgives, but it keeps coming back. The thought, you know, and there are things like that. And you don't have to go to this extreme. Uh, There are all kinds of situations Women who've been raped, for example. Uh, Men who have been um, mistreated by business partners or people they work with, and on and on. There are lots of different ways that this sort of thing uh, can enter our lives. Well, this, this choice is manifested, this choice to forgive and a willingness to extend forgiveness and be reconciled, even if the offender doesn't repent which should be the goal, but even so, you can forgive from your heart, even if they don't ask for it. And by the way, this forgiveness entails, this this decision, this choice entails releasing the offender from all forms of retaliation from us. Now, they may have to give account to the law, but in terms of us, we give up and release any claim we have for retaliation against against the offender. It may take time to work through the issues and the emotions surrounding them, as I've illustrated. Uh, And generally, the deeper the hurt, the longer the process. Somebody spills coffee on your brand new shirt or dress, you're probably not going to be very happy with them. But you can probably imagine a way to forgive them without too much difficulty, you know. Um, but there are situations that are, are, are much worse, as, as we've seen. Well, what do you do? What do you do? You're caught in one of these situations. Prayer support from other believers may be needed. Counsel from a pastor or elder or possibly a Christian counselor. You may need to fast and pray. Some people have found a helpful a book called Unpacking Forgiveness by Pastor Chris Brahms, which is published by Crossway. It's, uh, it, it's quite a, um, a highly acclaimed book on this. Um, but whatever it takes, it has to be done. In Matthew 18, which we heard this morning, starting verse 1, I mean, it lays out a process uh, to follow. Now, the good news here is that there is joy, the joy of release and freedom that follows when we go through all of this and get to the other side, and fellowship with God is restored. So that's good news. Now, what I am um, talking about here. I'm going to do something I've never done before in a a sermon. It's illustrated in one of the most powerful stories I've ever heard. It gives a picture that can stay with us better than what I've just said. 
sometimes pictures, stories really take hold in our memories. And they 